Dr. Graham, I don't want you to get discouraged. If there's not a big hallelujah moment. Understood. Let the healing begin. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to ask you some questions about the circumstances of your transfer. You can understand why I'd be concerned, right? Hello? Who are you? Why are you calling me? Do you miss your daughter, Don? $5,000 That's tomorrow night. Jess, did Aaron tell you how she was planning on getting the money for that ear surgery? The only person you're helping by keeping silent is the person who killed her. I already told you everything that happened. Everything? What are you doing here? Welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in Los Angeles. And man, I have cast some world-weary, damaged, obsessed, fucked up characters in my day. But they don't hold a candle to some of the folks that you meet in good old Easttown, Pennsylvania. And of course, I'm talking about the mayor of Easttown, the HBO Max series that we've been diving into. And today, the Beasts and I are fresh off watching episode four, which is called Poor Sisyphus. And I'm going to get into their brains about what they thought of the episode and things that they noticed. But we also have two very special guests, which we're going to get to in a second. But first, say hello to Beast number one, Brian Allen Hill. How are you? Good, good. Glad to be here. Hello, everybody. And of course, we can't forget beast number two, the thunder from down under. Dean, laughing. <laughs> Good day, everybody. Nice to be here and looking forward to recapping the latest episode in this awesome series. Well, before we get to that, we have two special guests. I can't even believe that they agreed to be on with this <laughs> Motley crew, but I asked for it and so they're here. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Diane Heary, a casting director in Philadelphia and... I'm Jason Loftus, casting director in Philadelphia as well. Diane and I are partners at Harry Loftus Casting. And why in the world would I ask you to be on the show today? We were location casting on Mayor of Easttown. You were location freaking casting on this show. That is amazing. You must have been so, so thrilled to get this gig. And why don't you explain to people who may not understand what location casting is and how it differs from what A.B. Kaufman, who's credited as the main casting director, but how you what you do and how you work with A.V. and the producers. Well, we're usually brought on for location casting. When a project comes into the Philadelphia area, for instance, we would get hired to find actors to fill out the cast, mostly smaller roles. But fortunately, on Mayor of Easttown, there are some major roles, actually, that were location casting as well came out of. So it, it, we work really closely with the lead casting director, in this case, A.V. Kaufman, and the producers and the director, helping to fulfill their vision of what they think the show is. With location casting, with the economics of film and tax incentives playing such a massive part in the film revenue structure, they are giving location people like us and many around the country bigger roles to do just because of the economics of film. And obviously they get the additional write-off as far as local people or not. But for, for Diane and I, our unique position is we're 90, minute, 90 miles from New York. Mm -hmm. And that means 
a lot of people are very local for us. Right, right. That um, circumference is going to be a nice area for sure. And it's, it's it's an advantage of Philadelphia, but specifically with Mayor of Easttown, Diana, when we read this script, it was very obvious from the beginning, the person who wrote it is from the area, mm-hmm. the very talented Brad Inglesby. And we were brought on because part of it is, and you jump into just the quick, the accent of the area. And I hope we do not have that accent. I don't know if you if you're hearing the mayor of Easttown accent from us right at all right now, but we were tasked with putting some of the people in from the world in with the actors so that it adds some more credibility to sure. the location and the accent. So just to clarify for our audience, so Mayor of Easton is obviously filmed primarily on location in Pennsylvania. And so the way that it works in these projects is A.V. Kaufman will probably cast the lead lead role that obviously the Kate Winslet's and the Guy Pierce's of it all and and such. And those actors may live in L.A. or New York or Australia or London, but it's great to find the talented local actors in Pennsylvania as there are, I'm sure, a huge amount. There's great theater in Pennsylvania. There's stuff happening there. So you want to find those great local actors. So you don't have to travel in people from LA or from wherever. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be in. But usually they try to give you the smallest. Well, it just depends on what they think that you can find there. Can you find this particular character in your actor pool? You may or may not. You may not have a certain ethnic pool. You may not have a certain age pool. And it can be tricky but you can find amazing, amazing actors in. And, you know, that, that and, and, and a lot of credit goes to AV with that for giving us a lot of leeway to add to a lot of parts. And, mm-hmm. and we've worked with AV a few times to where we are very honest saying, hey, we can find this role here, this role most likely not. Right. So just to add on to what you said there, that that's a big part of what we do and why we're hired is that we don't send them on wild goose chases. We we say we can get someone, we think we have people that can handle that, they have to deliver. So that's a lot of why we get hired. Can I ask you, this is is a general casting question, not specific to to Mayor of Easttown, but with with everything going to self-tape and Zoom or online platforming, do you find that, because it used to be, if you were in a particular location, that's where you would get cast out of. But do you find that now that everything is going online, that there are going to be, do you feel like there are going to be more opportunities for quote unquote local actors to be LA actors or New York actors, that that pool is now broad? To answer that question, when we usually think of a local talent pool for Philadelphia, what often ends up happening is, is it's mid-Atlantic through New York is the talent pool. Now, A lot of times, we'll be very honest, Diana will tell you, is that most of the people we're casting that are willing to be local hire from those distances don't have the resume to demand the the travel and the such. But to to your point, yes, uh, you're exactly right. That's what's happening all over the country because of self-taping. And we try to be diligent with that and not have someone traveling from LA to, to do a line. That would never happen. But for some things, yes, the world is changing like that. But by the same token, though, we found, especially when you have many times we're dealing with first first time actors or beginning actors who've never really done an on camera audition. And a self tape is really not to their advantage because it's much better if we can get them in the room with us. We can talk them through it, explain the procedures. 
and really get out of them. What we, we see is there, but they just may, may need some work to get there. So a lot of that, and, and we're missing that right now because it is the self-tape worth world, but we're hoping as things open up more, we'll be able to get more of that because part of what we enjoy is that interaction with the actor. Right. And I think a lot of people are missing that opportunity because they don't have it yet. Well, I've been working, and I know Brian has, we've been working all through the quarantine. Thank goodness we've been employed, but I, and I've never asked for self-tapes. I only want to see people live via Zoom or via EcoCast Live, which is a casting director tool, because I need to be able to redirect people and connect the, otherwise, if I have to watch their performance anyway, I'd rather watch it live than have to watch a self-tape. All right. So we're going to jump into talking about the episode. Now, obviously our guests already know what happens and they are not going to spoil it for us. And it's not going to mean that they can't talk about the episode as they experienced it when they watched it. And I'm also going to play a little game called <laughs> local or local, where I'm going to try to guess. And I have some ideas on which characters in this episode they may they may have cast from Philly, uh, Pennsylvania, that pool and who maybe came from New York or LA. Anyway, I'd love to I'd like to try to guess and of course we can look it up and we can look up the cast and figure it out if we look on IMDb which is our tool internet movie database. But I'm going to try to test myself and see if I can if I can call it. So first of all this this episode is called Poor Sisyphus. What do you think that that referred to, Dean? Well, of course, the legend of Sisyphus condemned to forever be rolling the rock up the hill and let it roll down and, and up again. And it's that Groundhog Day kind of an element to me that so many of the characters were living in. That's all that I thought about it. Mm. So you don't think there's one Sisyphus that they're referring to? It's not Mare. It's not. Well, she certainly qualifies. Is... She absolutely yeah, qualifies yeah, yeah. for that. But then so much, so many of the other characters are also locked into that. I don't know whether it's a small town in Pennsylvania or how big it is, but it's certainly best days behind it. And, and so to me, as with the external eyes of somebody who lives in Melbourne, there are plenty of people there whose lives are not going to change very much, probably. And we start the episode with Mare waking up and we've, we've started episodes like this before, but we know that this day is like, oh, she, this is the day she starts her, basically her punishment, her, her suspension. And she just doesn't know what to do with herself, right? She's in her sweats. And I love the color that is in these first couple scenes with her. It's like this dim blue, the walls of the hallway are blue. She's just kind of puttering around. She doesn't know what to do with herself. So what does she do? She goes and hangs out with Laura her best friend. I love in this scene, they're sitting on a park bench and you can see that Julia Nicholson's hair, they've let the gray come through in her hair. It's like not very well disguised. I just love little details like that. And they're just sitting there and she just doesn't know what to do. She's just kind of at a loss on how is she going to tell her family? What is she going to do with her time? And she's got to go report to this, this therapist. Any thoughts about that scene? Bye-bye. I thought it was a pretty simple scene. The thing I was struck by was that conversational tone. They really, they're really locked into that buddy code way of speaking. Like I'm always aware of how I talk to my best friend. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something that the writers do or the writer does really well. They just drop you into the relationship. There's not a lot of exposition. Yeah. Kind of, they have a banter that they are engaged in, which feels very lived in. And so there was that. And I think the thing that I that I was really struck by was when Julia Nicholson's character kind of busts her chops about you are never the life of the party. And they kind of share a look or whatever. And we go to like a long shot. And then we see Meryl put her head on her shoulder. And I just thought that was really 
a really interesting touch considering how prickly Mare is mm -hmm. with everybody else. It was a really simple scene, but you could have taken that scene out and it really wouldn't have affected the episode, but it, it does say something about yeah. their relationship that I think, based on the preview I watched at the end of the episode, <laughs> is going to pay off yeah, in, a, yeah. in a way that is unexpected. I clocked yeah, that too. I just want to ask Jason and mm. Diane, do you remember if that head on the shoulder is that in the script or, or did that come from the playing of the scene do you remember because it is it wasn't unusual to me thing for that character to do you know i don't remember it in the script but kate just embodies this character so well these moments just come so naturally and they just work she's just there for it there was one little touch in that scene that i know a lot of people may not have caught was the bench that they're sitting on is dedicated to mayor's father mm -hmm. oh Mm -hmm. I noticed oh, the plaque, but wow. I didn't know the name. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Dean? Oh, just that, yeah, Brian picked up on the two things that I was uh, going to mention, but just the fact that the way that Laurie zings her back when she says, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not the life of the party. And, she, and, and then Laurie comes back with, you were never the life of the party. But what I took away in particular, Brian, with that shot when Mare lays her head on Laurie's shoulder, it just struck me that is the first time I could ever remember Mare giving anything, any surrender, any kind of softness, any kind yeah. of resignation to, yeah, okay, I need help. She's been tough. She's been stoic. She's been in charge. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the first bit of tenderness we ever see out of her. That really hit me. Okay, let's let's skip ahead to we see Zabel coming in all chipper to see Mare. And who does he see instead? He sees his colleague from wherever he's from. I can't remember now what or where in the county he's from. So here's my first local local, the actor playing his former office mate, the actor playing Co colleague. His colleague. Well, no, it, was just, it was his teaching officer. We come to find out it's his teaching officer right, from the he, academy. Yeah. And he's come down to sort of replace Mayor while she's on suspension. I'm going to call that local. No, no. no. Okay. Nope, nope. One of these great local stage actors. He's just had a great put spot to him and a great voice. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, but I'm zero. <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be shocked when you, when you see who was where, but okay. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So that's that was a, a great scene. Obviously, Zabel's become attached to Mare in such a short a time, and he's really taken aback that she's not there. And he's going to have to do this with this other colleague who's not going to respect, he's probably going to respect him even less than Mare has respected him because he sees him as, as still like a young pup who he was trained. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How, how quickly does he establish himself as a total asshole, <laughs> right? In about five seconds flat right he says when zabel says what did he say something of a oh we know well, the, oh, the dna was negative for both for both of them he's like well it must be someone's and he's like well no 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 kidding no kidding kid or no shit sherlock or something <laughs> and then he, and then he says oh we got any half and half like he expects him to run off and just grab it and and zabel just says yeah it's out there you know but yeah just think, right, right. Oh, he's a dick well, well played it. sir I loved it. I loved it. I loved just the whole look of that scene. So we've just heard that the DNA is negative for both Frank 
good old Frank is not the father and neither is Dylan. And we're in the hospital room with Dylan's parents. And Diana and Jason, we've commented on Dylan's parents before that they felt a little bit out of place in this town. For some reason, they just didn't feel as gritty. I hate to use the word class-wise, although there are different levels of economy in every town. But I'm going to go local local or local. I'm going to say both of those actors are local. I know that the other kid, I know Dylan is not local because I've seen him in a million things, but Yes, the other two are local. Yes. Great. Yes. Okay, good. Still for me. All right. <laughs> but to put that conversation in context from a previous mm-hmm. episode where we talked about the parents, compared to like everybody else who seems like they've been in this town, and I don't know if this is going to pay off in other episodes, it seems like they moved into town from someplace else. Whereas everybody else, you can tell just by their interactions, there's interactions with everybody that make it feel like they've been a part of that town. Their families have been a part of that town for decades, centuries, whatever. And that these folks came from Philly to move to the small town. That's how it feels. I don't know mm. what the what the creator's intention was, but that's the the visual. Well, you know, Dylan, Dylan, he does drive a scout, which probably in real life would cost a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. going to tell you my new theory before Diane and Jason, we thought that the killer was Neil Huff, who plays Reverend David, I guess. Is that his name? Reverend, her cousin, her cousin, who's the Reverend. Yeah. Um, but now, now I think that it's Dylan's dad. I'm, I, you're not going to tell us what it is, but that's my going theory now. Dean and Brian, I, I, that's who I think it is. I, you know what? Listen, I'm, I hedged my bets last time and said it's either the Reverend or it's one of those cousins. Right. And I think there's two separate things happening. So I think the cousins are one of those cousins is involved somehow. Right. In some aspect of the crime. I want to get this little B plot out of the way right here. And now this whole thing with Don being blackmailed by this mysterious caller who says he knows where Katie is. I knew right away that it was Bethy's brother. I just knew, I just recognized his voice on the phone. And that kind of went, you knew that she's getting scammed. You knew it was just going to be a heartbreaking pursuit for her. And I just felt like, I don't know if this is going to pay off in some other way, but it just seemed like a branch that we could have pruned. So <laughs> local or local, I say the brother's a local, but I think Bethy is not a local casting. No, neither of them are ours. Damn. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Right, anything to say about that whole B storyline? From episode one, I was not feeling great about that particular storyline just in general. And full disclosure, Jason and Diane, I take issue with when Hollywood tries to dramatize the opioid crisis in that part of the world. I think it can be ham-handed a bit. And I think that storyline with Bethy and her brother exemplifies that for me. Whereas the flashback that we see with Mare and her son is mighty effective Mm. and raw mighty and effective and raw and makes it really hard to dismiss how mayor feels about sozy bacon's character and makes it really hard to take sozy bacon's side which i think is a really great little twist that he's done there it gives it the context of you know that he hated you you know he despised you in the previous episode and to hear that and go oh god mayor was a terrible mom and then you realize oh, Jesus, you got to be kidding. And I think that moment to me is it's visceral. And like you say, raw, and it makes it real. And I think that's a more effective storyline in terms of 
using the opioid crisis as a kind of background for what's happening in these small towns all over the Rust Belt. Yeah, and especially in areas of outside Philadelphia and in and Philadelphia itself, unfortunately, it's a very real thing of the part of life here. And, and it's ground zero in a lot of ways for a lot of the issues. So I guess I'll say I hear you on your point. <laughs> yeah, just to, add, just to add to Brian's observations, it was almost like Mayor was a different character, the way that she was cowering down beside the toilet. Mayor of today would not put up with that shit, right? But there she is. She's cowering underneath the, in the bathroom. And then the way that uh, her name's just blanked on me. Sorry, the, the, the girlfriend of, of her Sozie son. Bacon. Yeah, Sozie. Yeah. The, when she walks over and just stands over her and just dismissively says to her, you stupid fucking bitch. And as you said, Brian, that just then goes to illustrate why she's just so determined not to let the baby anywhere near her. So, and a incredible. really difficult scene to audition. Ooh, I'm sure uh, this was really hard to sit through. So that tells me that was Kevin a local hire? No, no. then how did you sit through the audition? How were he, you auditioning? You weren't auditioning. He, well, well, I guess you do audition certain roles and then they, they might go to an LA or New York actor. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was a brilliant scene and it had so many layers and yeah, a mother's anguish seeing your son do that to you. And the long fight of addiction with parent to child, I thought was just brutal. Okay. I want you all to talk about this scene where Mare decides she's just going to come clean and just very to the, to the point and very bluntly tells her mother and her daughter, this is what I did. This is what's happening. And Jean Smart is like, Mary Ann. Talk about that scene, please. Uh, you know, it's funny is when even when I read the script, it's dark, right? The way she goes about it. And they, but I found the whole thing to be hilarious. And I did too. You know, just the way she played it. And then she goes to the refrigerator. She grabs the beer and she's waiting while everyone's going in there. Just the whole build up to it was was great. And yeah, I just thought it was very funny and, and very Brad. Diana, am I right? The writer. Absolutely. This writer really just so knows the area, this whole neighborhood of people. And yeah, me too. I know these people so well. When I read read the script, we knew it was special right away. Mm. And every one, of the these, every one of these people are less like, oh, that's so-and-so's mother. And that's, I, I could just like walk down the street and just pull people off the street and say, get in this movie. They're that good. And, and Lisa, you're exactly. so right. You picked up on the Marianne part where that where that is so Irish Catholic and- <laughs> where she immediately by her full name. And those are the little things that throughout the first three episodes, which really stood out to me and all the little moments, but that one, especially, and the way she, she gets mad. I mean, obviously you see that she's taking it serious, but as in the audience, it made me laugh. Absolutely. Well, and it's almost like Mayor remembers from watching like the Cosby show, a family meeting. And when she brings it up, they're just like, what the fuck is that even? What is that? What is a family? Like it's the first one in their family history, but it, it, it requires just kind of solemn ceremony or whatever she imagines in her head. Right. You keep it's really nice you reaction can... by Angori there. That she's yeah. um, it's just her reaction to the whole thing. Brian keeps stealing my lines, just a look of incredulity on both on, on the faces of both her mom and Siobhan when she says family meeting. <laughs> both of them are like a what? What is this? It's from, you know, the Brady Bunch or, or whatever. Yeah. But okay, yep, she's we're going to do this thing. 
And just one little thing that I noticed then, I don't know whether it was intentional or not. It probably was. But I know from my own experience, when talking about something reluctantly, I just noticed when she said, she told the family, I stole some heroin from the evidence locker and I planted it and blah, blah, blah. And she just leans on the H of heroin. Like she doesn't want to spit it out. She just sort of holds, the H holds in her throat for about an extra half second. So little that I went back and just replayed it and went, yeah. She doesn't say, I stole the heroin. I stole the heroin from, and I was just brilliant. I don't, if it was acting, it was brilliant. If it just came out that way, okay. (laughs) But But anyway, it just resonated with, she literally didn't want to say that word. She didn't want to confess, but she had to. I'm going to jump to the her, her scene with her new therapist that she's required to have sessions with as part of her suspension. And I'm going to guess local. Was that therapist local? This episode's not our episode. Doesn't <gasps> seem like. I know. Wow. The first three we would have you we would have gotten you, but this one. Wow. So she must be a, a New York actress then, because I, some of these people I just don't I'm not recognizing, and so I'm that's probably why. Maybe she's a local New York that AV had in her pocket. But I, I love the scene. Mare's there in her sweats. Anything you guys want to talk about that scene with the anything you noticed about the therapist scene? Well, for me, I just thought there was so much going on in this scene. She knows she's got to go, so she walks in and straight away she goes into mare mode. Right? She says, oh, "I'm going to control this." I don't want to be here. So she starts almost, uh, she's talking. So I guess you see a lot of cops in here. Oh, one time I had this friend of mine, real asshole. She doesn't want to talk about herself. It's about everything but her. And she's just trying to steamroll the psych. And she said, I want to set your expectations. We may not get a breakthrough here. (laughs) And so many good lines. And she said, well, you know, I was in therapy for my marriage. And and the counselor says, how'd that go? She goes, well, I'm divorced. Okay, good. Nice line. But anyway, the thing that really hit me about this scene was when the therapist said, oh, well, let's go over and chat about this. And then the camera's on Mary as she walks and sits down. It's full straight on onto the couch. And if it's possible to make Kate Winslet look androgynous, she does. She's in baggy blue work pants. She's got a top on that you can't even see her breasts in. She's got all these layers of loose clothes and she sits down with her legs half man spreading she looked like a guy uh. she had physically was like a guy and then she drops the line let the healing begin just is my favorite so, line of the whole scene oh just <laughs> so so off the cuff and just so fuck you and I, I was just blown away by this scene i thought it was amazing you just reminded me about something, Dean, is that Kate Winslet's whole physicality is so different in this than anything else I've seen her in. And when she's walking, she's leaning with her head. Everywhere she goes, she's leaning with her head and her shoulders, which is very different than any other posture. I mean, a lot of times she's in corsets, so obviously she's, it's going to be different. But I just love that sort of she's carrying this burden on her shoulders wherever she goes. I want to jump to the scene where Saucy Bacon, Saucy Bacon is with her, her son alone for an overnight. Go, you guys, talk about that sequence where he's with her, that little boy. Oh, my goodness. You must have cast a little boy, Yeah. Usually kids are, are from local casting. I think that he was somebody AV knew, but oh. we, yeah, I think he's, I think he was submitted to us as well, but he went to see them in New York because right. he, I think right. that's. So he was half local, half New Yorker. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> he was I one mean, that we already knew as well. So yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. He probably had to test. Did he have to test with yes, Kate? We, and, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. We did a full day of that, which was okay. <laughs> well, talk to me about these scenes with Sosie and this kid. I, it just, it broke my heart, even though you realize she probably doesn't deserve that much sympathy or maybe she does. Go ahead. Well, I thought for such a young child, when she's talking to him, she comes over to the couch and she, and she's trying to get him excited about being there. He kind of does the blinking thing and then he just kind of stares off and she's doing everything she can to try to get him to look at her and to want to be there, to feel like he wants to be there to the point where even at the end of the scene, she embraces him. She's doing everything she can and it's, everything feels kind of forced. Mm -hmm. I'm going, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, or this is how I... I think what was really difficult was for the little boy, over the course of all the episodes, there was a lot of acting required of a four-year-old. I mean, there's, he has a lot oh, of- Four-year-old, different... whoa. Yeah. yeah. Four years old. And, and there was a lot and in the, the test with him. And we, we had a lot of working sessions to get him, but he was just, he just got it. And of course, mm -hmm. Kate just helps things just happen. She just puts everybody at ease. And that's what really made it work. Yeah. Wow. It's so tough casting kids. He's a, he's incredible though. What a find. Oof. So the overnight doesn't go well and she brings him back and she, it seems like Carrie's just crushed that she couldn't even handle just an overnight. She just couldn't get through it. I don't know. I was torn about how she feels. It, it almost felt like she felt sorry for her, but it was also like, and I told you, I told you this is not going to this is not going to be easy. You're not ready for this. I don't know. What did you feel about that, guys? I felt like when she was at the door, I felt like she wanted to say something, but the pride wouldn't the it just wouldn't let her. But yeah, I think she felt sorry for her, but not enough to say something. Right. And certainly not enough to cut to the fact that she planted the drugs. Yeah. Right. She's going to hold on to that forever. And I think the thing I, I love about the, with the kid going home saying he missed his turtle. I remember the first time I went on an overnight, it was Halloween or something. My best friend from kindergarten or whatever was going to go over spend the night or whatever. And about 15 minutes in while we were in bed, I was like, I have to go home. <laughs> I have to go home because my mom needs me. That was the thing. And I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So it's like, so my mom needed me. And that really struck a chord with me. I miss my turtle. He's aware enough to know, and I'm making a judgment about what the character's experiencing or feeling or thinking, whatever, but I'm the audience. So that's what I do. <laughs> but it's, he doesn't want to say, I don't like it here. I don't like your place because we've seen the outside of the place. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I look at, as, walk, as she's walking him in, I'm like, Jesus, this is a, oh God. Yeah. And then you get inside and you're like, oh, well, this is okay. This is art. This isn't bad. It's not as bad as I thought. But it's not his room. It's not yeah. this big house. Yeah. You don't want to hurt his mom's feelings. So it's like, my turtle needs me. It's <laughs> yeah. Probably got to hurt more. Right. Mm. I think one of my one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode is this scene with Evan Peters and his mom, where Zabel's gone home to have a wonderful Friday night dinner with his mom. Okay, local. I'm going to say local, the mom. No. no! She's oh, my goodness. We we're on the wrong episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Your, so, your, Lisa, your dreams of being a dialect coach, I think, are well and truly trash by now. 
<laughs> well, anyway, she was great. And I love that she's so proud of him, right? This is her boy. He's brilliant. He's solved every single murder in the universe. And she's got his little what newspaper clipping framed on the wall. And she's kind of rolling her eyes about his partner, Mayor. She's obviously over in over her head. And then ding dong, she comes in. I just thought that was fantastic. Any thoughts about that sequence of scenes with Zabel and his mom and them working it out together, the crime? I love Evan Peters. Just that kind of, I almost got the feeling like he's living back at home because mm -hmm. his fiance didn't work out and all of that. So he's living back at home and this is like his daily, anybody in their thirties moving home and your mother thinks of you in this particular age, always talks to you regardless of what your accomplishments are. It's a beating and you can see that. Talk about, Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that going back to what Dean was saying, I think everybody has this rock that they're pushing, mm -hmm. right? Sosie Bacon, her character with her kid. Right. Dawn. They're all dealing with these things. And yeah. one of his is dealing with his mom. Same so as it ever was. Mare's there also because there's been another, there's been a kidnapping of a young girl who is like a known sex worker and drug addict. So she's there to kind of try to put the pieces together. Are these related and are they not? And she has a great line about Aaron, poor Eric McMenamin, who was murdered. Evan Peters is like, I don't, I don't think there's a connection. And she's like, teenage girls are fucking sneaky. You know, <laughs> there might be something there. I just, I thought that was fantastic. I knew that, I knew that you would like that line. <laughs> <laughs> and jump in if I've forgotten something, but yeah, so we've seen this young girl get, I thought she was being murdered, but she wasn't. looks like she's, she's been kidnapped and Mayor and Zabel go to visit Aaron's best friend to see if there's any more information that she has and lo and behold it turns out yes Mary's instinct was, was right Aaron was looks like she was on the brink of being a sex worker to get the money for DJ's ear surgery oh uh, so Jess's mom what a great face local or local Jess's mom telling you this is our this was a bad episode that one is Avi's as well Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, well, you'll, you'll tell us at the end of this who was local. Okay. Then we have this other, you know what? I didn't mind this offshoot, this Siobhan's new love interest. And there was a little bit of, I don't know, kind of a comedy of errors where the old girlfriend is in the basement and screams and that might have been extraneous. But for me, I, I don't mind that. I love seeing what the, I just love this world and I don't mind to see what the teenagers are up to and, and how they're dealing with their lives and what their lives are like. Guys, anything? I just love that it gave Mayor's mom a chance to deliver another zinger on the way out where where Mayor she's on a gurney and Mayor says, Oh, you just it's just a scratch. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry I'm not more mortally wounded for your, you know, for your own liking or <laughs> something like that. That was great. I just I just love Jean Smart. Oh, I just I know. oh she's just she's yeah. Wow. Been phenomenal on so many killer. things recently. And, and, and I have to say that because I'm not familiar with Zabel's work in the past, uh, the character, the, the more I'm seeing him, the more I'm just seeing of him. He's just sort of so goofy. And as you said, at least the way he just, 
the way he walks in through the door with the, with the coffees earlier in this episode, we could almost have just faced, like, you know, when someone walks into a window that they don't see, he's, he's just so open and so trusting. It almost belies, as I said last time, that he's this super detective because he just seems such a goofball and a Dudley do-right, but he's such a, an endearing character. Yeah, mm. we're getting towards the end of the episode now, but speaking of endearing, so I'm not sure how I feel about this plot development. I'm going to go with it. But when he asks her out on the date, I was like, oh, I don't know. Did we earn this yet? Is this is do we really want to go down this road? It's adorable as fuck. But really, does it have to have this love interest vibe? And if there's going to be a triangle. What do you guys think, Diane, Jason? Well, see, I don't I don't see it as a, a love triangle at all, mm. because in Mayor's world, there is there is no triangle anywhere. Mm. And I think she just, it's all non-committal to her. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, well, let's, oh, this guy, well, why he's here, why not? And this guy, and it's not, she's not committing. She's to not him. connecting, yes, really. Absolutely. But she's, she's kind of going through the motions and this is another, you know, maybe she likes the attention a little bit, but she's kind of going. I got that sense because she's sitting there and it's like, are you asking me on a date? And this, as an, as an older woman myself, getting that kind of attention from somebody younger, it's like, damn, mama still got it. You know, <laughs> Mama has still got it. Dino, Bribo? yeah, there was well, there was a line in there that I I can't quite remember, but it struck me as funny. He said, he said, I've got this friend with the restaurant. You know, do you want to go? And she said, Are you asking me on a date? He says, only, only if you yeah. want, only if you say yes. And doesn't she say, look, I'm just trying to help you here? Was that the line? I don't know. It was, it was odd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anything I'm, I'm forgetting? I mean, we, we end the, the episode with uh, it turns out that the, the young sex worker was not murdered, but she's been thrown in. I mean, this is Criminal Minds 101 right here. I've cast a million of these <laughs> scenes where these young women are being held captive. And lo and behold, Katie Bailey is there looking like she's been through absolute hell. And so we know that there is a male keeping them some the the unsub as we would say on criminal minds is keeping them and that's starting to feel so it's starting to feel to me like a little bit by the numbers in my procedural history but i don't even care because i just love the acting i love these people i love mayor thinks she's she's got a clue she's found this necklace in uh, aaron's room and I, i'm i'm still here for it i i just i just loved the episode I, me too. This is my favorite episode so far. And I would say that at least in my, for me, last night's episode felt like we have now diverging crimes. Mm-hmm. Like we have two, two separate things that are happening. And going by what I was watching, it felt like we're the van that transported the young woman. We've moved out of the town and closer to the city is what mm-hmm. it felt like to a more industrial part of of the state closer to Philadelphia or whatever. I, it's just how it felt. So it felt, it feels like this is a city cr- city crime separate from the town. And then Aaron's murder is a singular town event. I'm just conjecturing, of course, not well, trying to link it you, Diane you, or Jason for any clues. You are, you are driving I'm doing me. everything I can to keep my <laughs> you face. Are, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Brian, you are driving me absolutely crazy today because my notes say, what are the chances we're talking about two different offenders here, right? There's the, the murder of Aaron and then the two abductions. So, like, why would Aaron be murdered well, isn't that, and not I mean, abducted? But, but they've and- just converged, though. I thought that, too. I thought that was two separate things. But now they've converged because Aaron is part it's, of this 
Right. Uh, of the, of the uh, sex escort. worker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unless right. that's so, the red herring. And yeah, that has nothing to do I mean, the, it was set up it, to her friend's knowledge. She never acted on it. That's right. right. Oh but my God. So, right. I, I was going to say, how, how much do we make? So now we're getting, Lisa, I said earlier, I had some idea about suspicions of what was our current pin in the board on who we think it is. And I wonder how much weight and how much belief do we have as audiences that it's not a red herring, that the guy, that the abductor is driving this tradesman's vehicle. And then we look back at all the characters, Brian, as you were saying earlier on, who would qualify for that. And the camera gives just a a little tiny hint of what kind of face maybe mm. this perpetrator has. And just like, <laughs> just like the, the people who haven't discovered yet that at, if you hang around to the end of the Marvel movies, you'll get those funny little scenes at the end of, I didn't realize until this app that there were previews. <laughs> I was stopping it. I was stopping it at, at the credits. And so I'm watching the preview of next of the next scene and there's this right at the very end there's a scene where mayor is standing over this guy beating him with an iron bar and i'm and i sort of went forward and back and forward and back and but it was jumping in fairly big jumps like five seconds and i went if i drop this into my edit program i can go frame by frame. no i because yeah, there's a point where i'm pretty sure you could tell whose face that is right and i'm like no i don't want to do this well as brian has said there may be more people who are guilty of things not necessarily this crime but diane and jason why don't you since this was not the episode for me to, to be able to local or local it <laughs> Can you tell us thus far who we've seen? Who were your discoveries? I'd love to know that. All the cops. All um, the cops. Well, uh, the chief, not the chief. Eh? Not the chief. Not the chief. But, yeah. uh, but basically, oh gosh, no, my, my brain. The not... receptionist in the beginning. Oh, yeah. oh I love her. Oh, she was great. Yeah, I got I that mean, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that store owner who sold her the turtle. Yep. The turtle. Okay. That's her owner. What about Brianna's parents? Yes. Yes. The restaurant owners? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, one thing we didn't mention is uh, the one thing I know who is not the murderer, it's not that fucking Deacon. Deacon, I'm saying it right here, is not the murderer. <laughs> the one who threw who it looks like the murderer right now? Nope. I'll bet you a nickel that it's not. Anyway, all right. So who else did you, did, let me see, did you cast? Uh, did you I, I just I just wanted to say that we don't know who it is either because we don't remember because of COVID. But, oh, um, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. You didn't cast the deacon, I bet. And Neil, uh, not her cousin, I'm just trying to think. Any of the no, kids, any of the girlfriend, the girlfriend that Siobhan breaks up with, maybe was a local or some of those teenagers. Actually, what well, that whole sequence of teenagers, like the, the kids in the band and everything that, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the, girl, the, the ex-girlfriend, no. Okay. All right. You know, what's well, interesting is, and I'm sure you guys have dealt with this too. We, we got interrupted by COVID mm, shooting mm -hmm. this. And, and I'm preaching to the choir here. Everyone knows what this was like to come back. And in, in the process of coming back and reshooting re, re things and doing things, I'm racking my brain right now and I'm afraid I'm going to say something. <laughs> no. Yeah. We'll say cut it. it say for it. Sure. Say you it. No, no, no. We will. Oh yeah, for away. sure. When I will cut it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving this um, thing away. But, but I will, I, I will say though that not in casting, but when Brian, when you said about the um, location didn't feel like the town, it was still out in the town. That whole area is, is full of industrial areas and refineries and stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Where Dawn, that little store Dawn works at, is basically right next to the refinery. 
Oh, oh okay. Right, right. You know, so and that whole neighborhood, it's all so it's things are tight that way. So you think you're in the suburbs, but it's it's not suburbia Pleasant Valley. Type when you thing. when you and and like just as an overview of what this East Town is in Delco. And when you think of when you think of Philadelphia, Delaware County, it's it's Delco. So this was pretty condensed where they shot, obviously, for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But this would be the section that is pretty close to Philadelphia. Mm. Oh, there was just a couple of scenes that we I, I wanted to just touch on. And the one was when Richard and Mayor sit down and he talks about his birthday coming up and he's going to give her a treat. Mm -hmm. And he says to her, he says something and she said, oh, do you mean I look tired? And he says, no. Oh, he says, do you ever give yourself a break? Mm -hmm. And is there anyone for you? And he said, you're carrying so much load. And, and okay, so my birthday present will be if you come out with me. And then later on, when she's munching on the chips and her mum's in the bed after coming back from the hospital, she says, oh, you know, Saturday night, would you be around to babysit? And she's like, yeah, I suppose so. Why? And she says, oh, I've got a date. And mum says, oh, the writer. And Mare just pauses at the door. There's a little bit of a smile and she says, maybe. And as she closes the door, mum's like, what does that even mean? It's like, it's like, what, more than one date? You've had nothing and now there's two. So yeah. that was good. And then the, the other scene that just made my heart leap for a minute, just for a second, I went, nah, they can't do it, is when Dylan grabs the pillow in the hospital when the baby's screaming. And I'm just like, oh, no, you yeah. couldn't. Not no, you happen. couldn't. It's like, nah, they can't do that. It's like, no. oh, okay, all right. But, oh, be still. Well, Thanks, you guys, for joining us. What And what are you watching right now? I just got into Ozark again. I mean, I've never seen Ozark, and oh, so I am deep in the so binge good. of Ozark as, in addition to watching Mary Town. What are you binging right now? Oh, boy. You have We're time to watch? We're in the middle watch? of another TV show right oh, now. Cool. Um, there, there is, there is, there is no time to watch television right now because we're in the middle but of production. But in truth, production. I, re-watching... Whenever I, I have my guilty, that's where I am in this stressed world that we're in is the guilty pleasures, like yeah. going back and watching old episodes of Grimm or something. That's that well, kind of stuff. I did enjoy um, Frank of Ireland. Yes. on Frank Prime. of, Frank of Prime. Ireland. I don't know that. Ooh, we're going to write that down. Oh, really? Yes, you've got to watch it. It's, okay. it's the Gleason brother, Brendan Gleason's oh, son. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. Right. I've met them. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just... Fun. And just, if we can, Lisa, if you allow us one quick second, just to course. say that it's amazing to be to be, have been a part of this. And obviously, it's it's awesome to hear people talking about this and have such conjecture about the story. But also, we have to give a lot of credit to Avi and Harrison, our yes. counterparts in New York and L.A., who mm -hmm. completely killed it on this show. Oh, and, they always do. You know, They're amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was great to work with them. And Diane and I just didn't want to end this without saying that. So, right. you know, absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. It's all a team effort. Everybody works so hard to make this show come together. And but I'm so grateful to have you guys come and join us. I know it's late for you guys on the East Coast, but what a pleasure and great work. And thank you so much. So for now, this is Killer Casting. And we'll Cast be listening to you guys. Oh, great. And this is Killer Casting signing off. <laughs>